In high school, I went on a canoe trip to the Boundary Waters with the Boy Scouts. Things went pretty smoothly until the fourth or fifth day when we camped on an island in the middle of Ima Lake. Seriously, that's the name of the lake, Ima Lake. Anyway, we hadn't seen much wildlife on the trip, so we let our guard down and hung our bear bag only about four feet off the ground. In case you haven't been to the Boundary Waters, you should know that when you camp there, you need to bear-proof your food and toiletries every night. The preferred method now is to store these things in a bear-resistant container, but we didn't have those when I went. We had to use bear bags, and they can be tough to hang. They're supposed to be at least 12 feet off the ground, and at least 6 feet away from any tree limb in all directions, so that can be kind of tricky to, to do. Finding a good spot can be tough in the first place, not to mention the time it takes to hang the bag and hope you don't hang it over a rotten limb or, or something like that. So we decided to hang it only four or five feet, like, ah, that's fine, it'll be good. Besides, one of our group walked around the entire island and assured us there were no bears on the island. Well, it turns out that bears can swim. Bears can swim really well. The next morning, I woke to hear grunting and pawing outside my tent. Not wanting to get eaten, I didn't go out. Then I heard someone in our group yell, BEAR! I opened the flap of my tent and I saw two bears. One was lumbering back and a few swore they saw cubs too, so it could have been really dangerous. One of the bears was standing on its hind legs as one of our adults from the group tried to get closer to take a picture. By the way, the, the, this adult was our doctor on the trip. Now this could have ended really badly. The bear felt threatened. As it turned out, the bear was able to escape. The doctor got his picture and none of us were hurt. We did lose quite a bit of food, but uh, it turns out bear, the bears didn't really care much for processed cheese. So that's what we ate for the last few days of our trip. In our gospel reading today, Peter strikes me as a cornered bear. Peter's been with Jesus since chapter 1, so he's been with him almost since the very beginning. He was brought to Jesus by his brother, brother Andrew. Peter was also one of the faithful disciples after so many left Jesus, after Jesus said that his flesh was true food and his blood was true drink. After that, many of his disciples just couldn't handle that and they left. Peter said, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter also stated his willingness to die for his Lord back in chapter 13. We shouldn't doubt Peter's sincerity he probably really believed that he was willing to die for Jesus. Jesus, of course, knows that Peter's commitment will fade. Will you lay down your life for me? Jesus asks Peter. Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. So when we get to chapter 18, we're at the moment of Jesus' arrest. John tells us that Judas brought a detachment of soldiers with police from the religious authorities. A detachment would be 600 soldiers. So 
John is probably exaggerating the number here a bit, but the point is clear. They're taking no chances this time. Taking no chances. There will be no repeat of the failure in chapter 7 when the temple police, so entranced by Jesus' words, failed to arrest him. Jesus is coming in. Jesus reveals himself as their man, and he secures his disciples' release, which is what makes what happens next so puzzling. Peter has a way out. Yet, Peter at that moment draws his sword against an overwhelming force. Peter against the world. Maybe Peter can't believe what he's hearing from Jesus. Is he just giving up? This can't be how it ends. Even though Jesus makes a way out for Peter, Peter seems to feel cornered. Even though Jesus has spent the last five chapters in John's Gospel telling him that he's going away, he can't follow, that Peter can't follow, that the Spirit will come. Peter can't grasp it. So with the swing of a sword, a disciple of Jesus is the first to resort to violence. That's the first denial of Jesus right there, the resort to violence. The second occurs in the courtyard of the high priest. You have to scratch your head a bit. Peter just caught off the, the ear of the high priest's slave. And so he goes right into the courtyard of the high priest's home. We would think this doesn't make any sense, but you can imagine if you're traumatized and, and, and you're probably not thinking much about anything at all at that time. So in any case, Peter does follow Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. When Peter, Peter is confronted by his discipleship three times, when he's confronted the third time by a relative of the man he hurt, Peter denies it. Peter goes from being willing to kill for his Lord to denying all knowledge of him. They seem to be polar opposites. But they're really two sides of the same coin. Peter, backed into a corner, lashes out or avoids, strikes back or withdraws. This is what crumbling faith looks like. Peter seems to have had a script for the Messiah, after all. The Messiah was to restore Israel's greatness and begin an age of peace. No more hated empire. No more brutalizing religious or secular authorities. And if the messianic age had to come at the edge of a sword, then so be it. Jesus subverts these expectations in John's gospel. He doesn't recruit an army. He washes feet like a slave would. He heals, but isn't willing to kill. After Jesus tells Peter to put his sword away, Peter may have seen that as a massive betrayal of who the Messiah was supposed to be. So, Peter is backed into a corner. And backed into a corner, he makes terrible choices. So do we all. We can't get, really get away from our animal nature, can we? So often we feel backed into a corner. Whether or not that's actually the case, whether or not that's actually reality, is beside the point. Whenever you turn on the news, which I barely recommend these days, 
Whenever you turn on the news and you find some kind of violence or cruelty justified, you can bet that the person justifying it felt backed into a corner. They had no choice. Putin had to invade Ukraine to keep Russia secure from the West. The January 6 rioters had to storm the capital to protect our electoral process. The rioters in the Twin Cities a couple years ago had to burn down that police station to strike back against police brutality. Derek Chauvin had to kneel on George Floyd's neck for over nine minutes because he was resisting arrest. Or my favorite, and by my favorite I mean the worst one, the anonymous American major in Vietnam who told the journalist Peter Arnett, we had to destroy the village in order to save it. When we feel under threat, the animal brain activates and we all too quickly resort to violence. Or we give up completely, as Peter did, and deny our discipleship to save our own skins. Jesus shows us another way. Jesus shows us a way to break out of the cycles of threat and violence we get wrapped into. Jesus is indeed the way out. And it all starts with trust. Trust that Jesus is who he says he is, our master and Lord, and that he has mastery over the powers of sin and death. You see, we are no longer enthralled to those powers. Even on this side of death, which none of us have experienced, we do not need to fear it. Death does not need to rule us because Jesus rules us. The one who has ultimate power over life and death rules us. Even when he was on the same side of death as we are today, Jesus knew this. He knew that this was the cup his father intended for him to drink, and he drank it all. He accepted it, trusting in his father and in our father. He didn't rally troops. He didn't feel backed into a corner. He didn't lash out. And he didn't withdraw either. Jesus broke out broke out of those cycles of violence, of death, of victimhood, of unfaith for all of us. And the mercy of Jesus undergirds everything we hear today because we know that though we're ultimately freed from the powers of sin and death, we're going to, we're going to sin again. We're going to lash out again. We're going to withdraw again. We're going to feel cornered. We're going to deny who we really belong to, our Lord Jesus Christ, sealed by the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, when that denial and betrayal inevitably comes, Jesus offers us conviction, forgiveness, and amendment of life. We receive renewed trust in Jesus as Lord in all circumstances of life. Whatever happens, our faith is renewed we're forgiven, set free. So Jesus, grant us the power to break out. To break out of these cycles of violence, of sin, and of death. Of blaming and of victimhood, of denial and withdrawal. And when we fall back in them, to receive forgiveness and new life 
and the courage to try again, again and again. May he grant us the courage to trust instead of lash out, to engage rather than disengage, to have faith instead of fear. With Jesus, we can be assured of this. We will be led safely through death to full life on the other side. Let's remember who we belong to. Thanks be to God. Amen.